cops put a hurting on your ass, man, you know? They really degrade you. White folks don't believe that shit, don't believe cops degrade you. Oh, come on, those beatings, those people are resisting arrest. I'm tired of this harassment of police officers. Because the police live in your neighborhood, see? And you be known them as Officer Timpson. Hello, Officer Timpson, going bowling tonight? Yes, uh, nice pinto you have. <laughs> Niggas don't know them like that. See, white folks get a ticket, they pull over. Hey, officer, yes, glad to be of help. Hey, oh. Nigga got to be talking about, I am reaching into my pocket for my license. Because I don't want to be no motherfucking accident. Police degrade, I don't know, you know, it's awful. You wonder why a nigga don't go completely mad. You know, you do, you get your shit together, you work all week, right? And then you get dressed, you make, you may say, can't make $125, we get $80, if he lucky. Right, and he go out, get clean, be driving with his old lady, going out to a club, and police pull over. Get out of the car, that was a robbery, a nigga looked just like you. All right, put your hands up, take your pants down, spread your cheeks. Now, what nigga feel like having fun after that? <laughs> oh, let's just go home, baby. You go home, beat your kids and shit. You gonna take that shit out on somebody. I got a few screws loose since the days of my youth. There's a few screws loose podcast. Welcome back to another episode of A Few Screws Loose, the podcast where we have mental health discussions by mentally ill men of color. Here we like to share our experiences and we hope that some of you can relate. And if you can't relate, we hope that you can walk away knowing that mental illness affects different people differently. Last episode in episode 27 we talked about no new friends. P and I both live by that motto. No new friends. We don't like new people. Leave us alone. Don't talk to us. Unless you're a listener, of course. You can talk to us on social media. But like if you see us at the store, don't say nothing to us. It's probably better for everybody. We talked about um how we didn't really do much different than our peers other than knowing when to stop. And that kept both P and I... It saved us from a lot of trouble and a lot of struggle as adults. Uh, P, anything you want to add about that episode? No, I think you pretty much touched it all. We know when to stop. Morals is often the uh, the difference maker in when someone goes down a terrible path versus when they get their life together. So, um, yeah, man, we just kind of knew when to stop. And at, at some point you realize, well, man, I'm not doing the same thing these dummies doing. Because I don't want to be like them. So yeah, exactly. I think you pretty much summed it up pretty good. That's 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 my outlook on who and uh, 
I hang around and who I let around me. Right. And uh, just in case you are wondering, my name is Dan. Uh, it's been so long since we recorded. We took a couple weeks off since the last show. So, you know, we're trying to get back in the groove of things. And typically the introduction goes before you say anything else. But anyway, I'm Dan. You can catch me on Twitter and IG at I am Dan on drugs. Follow the show on both Twitter and IG if you care to at Screws Loose Pod and YouTube as well. Check there for video clips and bonus content. Uh, and we're going to start putting outtakes on YouTube, uh, which we do have a shitload of outtakes. Like, I think we just had one for like three minutes. So, you know, P suggested that and, you know, check for check for it. And I am P from Charlotte. You can catch me on Instagram at P from Charlotte. Now, um, ladies and gentlemen, as some of you may know, I've been kind of absent on social media. Um, you know, I've, I've been lurking, but I haven't really been talking or interacting with anybody. And that's because lately I've been like super, super, super fucking depressed. And it, it's starting to kind of lift a little bit but it's still there um i think i can attribute it some some of it to i decided to stop taking my meds altogether, and i took a week off of work to do that so i wouldn't have any mood fluctuations or anything and i, I mentioned that last episode but um going back to work like the first day i was cool and the physical symptoms started manifesting again. And that's like things like um, sweating, tightness in your chest, clenching my fist, clenching my jaw, um, just being real tense. And like, I, I believe I said that last episode too, that, you know, I really found out that my job is a huge trigger, but um, so not being on my meds, uh, and going back to, I don't know. I really, I, I really can't pinpoint a lot of things, man. It, it's like a culmination of things going on. Just a lot of stressful shit in my life right now. So I kind of lost interest in just talking to people. But, you know, I'm still here at Dan on Drugs, man. How you been holding up the past few weeks, Pete? Because I ain't talked to you since the last episode, man. I'm always the same. I've been dealing with this bullshit so many years. So um, it's like when Hulk said in Avengers, um, how do you how do you keep yourself under control? He said, I'm always angry. And that's just how I am, man. I'm always angry. So, you know, I've been I mean, that's just how I manage. I'm used to it. I've been, you know, dealing with it for a long time and I have my fluctuations. But overall, I kind of keep a medium approach. I have ways to get a get away from stuff because newsflash, I am on uh, I'm disabled. Therefore, I, I don't have to be at my trigger every day. So that that kind of helps. Yeah. Huh? And, um, you know, so, I mean, trust me, don't think I don't go through it now. I mean, just if anyone follows the show or follows me on Twitter, you will see that I rarely interact on there whatsoever because I just don't like social media. Um, That's not saying I don't care about people. It's just so much negativity out there that um I tend to just like to ign I ignore a lot of stuff because I have a fear that it's going to be negative and I'm going to get pissed off. So if anyone out there says anything to P from Charlotte on Instagram or Twitter, and I don't respond right away, don't worry. You know, it's not because I hate you unless you said something disrespectful. I just probably didn't see it, man. I, 
you sure that's what the Hulk said? Yeah, and he said, I'm always angry. When he's I'm pretty- when, right before he turned into the Hulk in the middle of the street on Avengers 1 and he punched that big uh ship, he said, I'm always angry. Nah, man, I'm pretty sure. That's what Bruce Banner said. I'm I'm pretty sure he said, hey, have you ever sucked a green dick? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, damn. Like, uh, never mind. I was about to go deeper into that, but nobody <laughs> needs to envision, envision that stuff. So, never mind. <laughs> that won't be one of the outtakes. Yeah. This week, uh, what we're going to discuss is some of the some of the things we face as being black people, people of color. Now, like, it, it's no secret that P and I both have anxiety disorders. P has a PTSD, bipolar, so on and so forth. But being black in America, I think we all suffer from from bits and pieces uh, as far as anxiety, man. Uh, P was telling me a story um, last episode off off mic about how someone came down to visit him. And they went out to eat and the food was fucked up. Uh, you want to take it from here, P? Yeah, it's just simple things like we can't complain. You get your food wrong at a restaurant. And um, I don't know how many of you had this experience, but um, my children's stepdad had this experience. Coming down here, the food was wrong. Just decided, as opposed to complaining and, and uh, getting it fixed, it was just just dealt with it and ate it anyway. And I I had a similar situation here when I actually paid for my food. and the, But I just t- told the restaurant guy that it wasn't very good. And he threatened to call the cops on me. And he took food out of the trash and made a big scene. So, you know, it's just a lot of the time we are not in a position to complain. And I have many instances over my life where I have not been able to engage in a proper rela- uh, customer, uh, you know, What's the word I'm looking for here? Yeah. The people who own a business or whatever. Customer you know, relations, customer relationship. service, yeah. Custom, because, you know, it's always, oh, them niggas is trying to get over. Or it's just never anyone takes you seriously. And, and it's always a threat of, of police. Going to call the cops. I'm like, well, damn, you know. I mean, I've had interactions. I've been threatened to have the, call a cop, the cops called on me at my kid's school in a meeting with the principal. Because one of the teachers didn't agree with me. And we had a disagreement. And we're talking. Like re- rational adults do, mm-hmm. and they kicked us out. And the school resource officer threatened to re- threatened to lock me up. I said, "What you going to do? Arrest me?" He said, "I said, what you going to do? Lock me up?" He said, oh, I, "Oh, oh, not yet." So I stopped, and I cussed his ass out. And I said, "Do it. Let's go. Try it right now." And of course, he didn't. But that's just you know. I mean, I can go on and on. Yeah. I know I went way off subject there. Nah, that's actually that's on just, subject. I mean, I'm talking, but the actual question was about a restaurant situation. Yeah. Well, but you know, I mean. It's always you can't you see that we, we got to put up with something or complain and risk getting shot or have the cops called on us or, or you or whatever other punitive actions can be taken. Yeah, um, man, I, I have a few and you, you were there for a few. Now, I'm going to say this and really, I don't mean I don't mean it. And I hate to keep saying this when I say shit. Just know that when I say certain shit that might sound fucked up. I'm not saying it to sound fucked up or be shocking or be controversial, but P and I grew up in the D.C. area. And it's no secret that the D.C. area is full of just different cultures. Right. We got Ethiopians. We got El Salvadorans. We got black folks. We got white folks. We got um, Puerto Ricans, Filipinos. Filipinos. You 
you name it, Africans. We got people from Senegal. Um, you name it. It's a melting pot of just different ethnicities, different races, right? So one of the things we noticed when we were younger, we were trying to get jobs at fast food restaurants, which in the 90s, that's what teenagers did everywhere but D.C. Well, they still do. <laughs> they still do really? everywhere else. I live in Charlotte, and that's all I see. Right. And, you know, that that's a good starter job for a teenager. So we would be, what, 15, 16, 17 years old? Probably 16, 17. I, I don't remember. I know we were we were teenagers. But every single fast food restaurant we went to, it was staffed by Middle Middle Eastern or Indian people um, from the cashiers to the management everywhere. And it's like, you know, they only hired each other. So, you know, that I mean, that's cool if you're looking out for your people. But at the end of the day, one of the things that I found out and looking back now like we thought it was normal, but looking back now, it really disgusts me is that these people would come over. A lot of them immigrated and they would look like they would look at black people like we were the fucking scum of the earth. And, yo, we were fucking born here. We were raised here. We were bought here against our will. And it's like, how dare you fucking look at us like we're the fucking scum of the earth now? And it's not even reading too much into it or or trying to fill in, connect dots that aren't there. For instance, P mentioned um, people calling the cops. Right. So P and I were we just couple of couple of situations. P and I were at a what was it? A Burger King or a McDonald's uh, Rose Hill. And we got our, our food and our French fries had dead bugs in them. Like dead bugs on the fries. Ants. Yeah, ants. It was dead ants. So we looked at each other, and this was before we knew that black people can't complain if your fucking food is wrong, right? So we take the French fries with the bugs on them back to the. And it was still hot. Yeah. Let me just let me just just so people know, we ate inside the restaurant. We didn't take it. It wasn't a, a drive-through. Mm-hmm. We ordered inside, had the tray, sat down inside. Yep. So you take it, take the tray back to the counter and said, excuse me, our um, French fries have dead bugs in them. And this manager, this, uh, again, Middle Eastern dude, and he, he was just irate. He started yelling, if you you put the bugs in the French fries, you put the bugs there. Like, what are we walking around with fucking dead ants in our pockets? Like, where will we get ants from? And why will we put them on our food? And then bring our food back to the counter uneaten. Like what? What sense does that even fucking make? So you know we we're arguing with them. We're like probably the same logic. Where would we get bugs from to put in our fucking food? And then why would we not eat the food? Ain't it, it literally made no sense? So going back and forth with this dude. Of course he grabs the phone. If you don't leave, I'm going to call the cops on you. And of course it ended up we just left the food on the counter and fucking left. But, but, you know, it's like we, we've had multiple instances like that. Another time, P, uh, it was P and I and my mother. We were at, a, this was at a Burger King, right? And we were sitting in one of the booths eating like a fucking Whopper or something like that. And this Middle Eastern dude with his daughter, a young child, just kept looking at us. And he was all in our faces, right? All in our faces. So when we finally looked over, P and I, we... We were just talking about this other day. Black people, our coping mechanism throughout history is to laugh at shit because you know what? 
so much fucked up shit happens to us that sometimes all you can do is laugh. So we're like, what the f- what was this dude looking at? So we just started laughing at him because it's like, why are you all over here? So we finish our meal. We get up and we go to walk out, uh, mind you, with my mother. And then the dude that was just staring at us from across the restaurant, we never said anything to him, um, gets up, follows us, follows us out the restaurant. We're at the mall, follow, follows us into the hallway of the mall and just starts yelling. Problem? Problem? You have a problem? And we turned around and looked at him like, fuck is wrong with this dude, man? So I think P said, man, fuck you. You don't want no problems or something like that. You remember that day, man? I'm, I don't even remember that day, but I believe it. I mean... But here's, you know, it's a thing where people just think that there's a plan. All right, it, it, I'm trying to. All right, to to those who I'm a, I'm a cross reference podcast here. Okay, I listened to Hot Boxing with Mike Tyson, and the episode had Busy Bone on it recently, and he was talking about the guy who killed Tupac and how he was just waiting outside of the VIP. So it's basically stating there are people who like to start things with celebrities so they can get assaulted and sue them. Well, that's something similar that happens to us frequently. Maybe not Sue, but people will try to provoke you, especially us being black, to do something or to get irate or to 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 get in a confrontation so they can call the cops and and watch the fallout. Yep. And I and I think that was what happened. I mean, I'm a, I'm gonna say a situation. I used to go to this restaurant, no joke, probably three times a week. Senior Chicken, right Senior in Delray, chicken, right yep. next to the Seven Eleven. I Man. used to go. I used to go there like three times a week. The dude, I love that place. That place was to me was better than Edie's chicken and steak. So I would go there every, you know, every other day. I would get my quarter chicken and a yuca like always, right? And the guy knew me. It was a short guy, um, short Peruvian guy because, you know, it was a Peruvian chicken place. And, um, you know, I mean, I've been going there for years. I knew the dude. He would always speak to me. So once I, one time I brought my friend in there with me and he didn't get, he got something different. He got like a, a chicken and steak sandwich because they would have the mixed the mixed chicken and steak sandwich, and he ordered French fries. So you you make your order, and you know it's a real small place, and they don't always give you a receipt. They just know what you ordered, right? So when I got the order, I had my quarter chicken, I had my yuca, my friend had his sandwich, but he ordered fries, and he didn't have fries, so the fries didn't come. So we just assumed that maybe. Because sometimes your food will be ready and they'll give you part of it and then they'll call you back up and get the, you know, the other part as it's done. So we just assumed his fries weren't done yet. Well, the fries never got there. So at the end of at the end of the meal, we walk up and I say, hey, just, you know, my man, uh, my, well, my, my homie right here ordered fries, but he never got them. And he said, you didn't order fries. I said, yes, we did order fries. And he told me I didn't order fries. And I even remembered the exact price because, um, like I said, they don't always give you a receipt at that place. Because, you know, this 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 was in the days when you could pay cash. Debit cards weren't everywhere. Yeah, there was a hole so, in the wall you know, joint, too. Yeah, and it was a hole in the wall joint. I don't even think they took cards. So I'm like, look, man, like I said, he ordered fries and he didn't get them. The fries are like $1.50. I didn't spent like $13 in here. He didn't get his fries. So, you know, my... My, my my homie was kind of like, he's real non-confrontational, right? So he was like, don't worry about it. And I'm like, nah, man, like, he's accusing us of trying to get some free fries. He was, <laughs> so this guy, he said, uh, no, you just trying to lie to get free food. Get out of my store. Get out of my restaurant. So I looked at him and I said, you know what? That's real fucked up. I said, I come here every goddamn day. I said, you know, every other day and, and, and here I am. 
you know, you accuse me of, of wanting to steal some French fries. So I told him, fuck him. I'm never coming back there ever again. And I didn't. And they're not even in business anymore. Damn, they closed. So I guess it didn't. Yep, they closed. So I guess it didn't work out very well for him. Yeah. But, you know, it, it, it's just messed up. It, it's like you get reminded sometimes, no matter what your relationship is with some of these establishments, long-term relationships, whether they be uh, food places, doctor's offices. I had run-ins there before with staff. Uh, you know, anything you're always seen through that eye of, you know, he better not get him. He better not get out of line. Yeah. And like Dan said a minute ago, I'm kind of ranting, but, um, you know, people who come here from other countries, they look down on us. Everyone does. They assume that, well, y'all been here all this time and y'all still don't have nothing. We just got here. We got everything. Well, this is what they don't understand is that when you first come here from somewhere else. All right. I'm gonna give an example. Black people in America and black people in Africa don't people black people in Africa, especially West Africa, Ghana, Nigeria, those areas don't really look at us in America as the same people. Right. And that's and, and, and you can look that up if you want. It's been a lot of experts that that, you know, cultural affairs experts that that say that um, they look at us as beneath them or lazy. Well, the, the, the problem with that is when you come from a country and a continent a country in a continent where everybody is like you, you have an, you have an ethnicity. So you don't come from a culture of being oppressed by an other, by another uh, ethnicity, unless maybe you were from South South Africa Africa, when, you know, yeah. Like when apartheid, but you know, in America, this is, uh, this is where we are. We've been here for 400 years now and we've always been, and oppressed peoples for a majority of our history. So there's a, a psychological aspect that comes with that. When you don't have that weight on your shoulders, because you're, you're, <laughs> you're pretty much beaten down from the moment you start school to adulthood, that you realize that it's not a level playing field. And if you say something, Lord forbid you say something, then you're complaining. Well, a lot of people from other countries look at us and say, well, we just got here. Why y'all don't have this? Why y'all don't have that? Well, that's because they didn't come from the same environment. They have an ethnicity. Therefore, when they come to another country in, you know, together, they stick together. Us black folk had our ethnicities taken away from us by design and our histories and our culture. So therefore, we have nothing. We're the only people in the world who have nothing. And they still we've doing created it, man. a culture. They hip hop. They taking our yeah, shit. They are. With gentrification, I mean, we, man. Like our, our whole area. Like you said, yeah. senior chicken is it's gone, man. That whole area. They take it all. Yeah. And it's messed up because the culture that we do have here, I'm sorry if I'm going to offend some people out here, but it's all horse shit. That's why you see so many of our people latching on to these pseudo religions, these weird cults or this Egypt stuff. When we have no ties with Egypt whatsoever as black Americans, you know, or just just latching on to anything that's different than what is common in America. And the other thing is it's because we don't we don't have anything. Indian too. A, a lot of us. Like, all right, so you mentioned um, a lot of the black people latching on to these Egyptian uh, religions and and cultures and shit where most of us were like even our ancestors were from nowhere near Egypt. I mean, same continent, I guess. But um, the other thing you see, uh, 4000 miles away was on the complete opposite side. And I believe Egypt's uh, east, and most of our folks are from West Africa, if I'm not mistaken. All of, uh, pretty much, well, pretty much every everybody from the Atlantic slave trade that's brought here is from the west coast of Africa. Yeah, you were not, we were not. The, the, the Eastern Africans were taken to the Arabian countries. 
in the Arab slave trade, taken east and into, you know, the Middle East. But, you know, we were brought here by Europeans. They raided the, the, the coastal towns and, and, and countries and kingdoms on the west coast of Africa. Yep. So we have no ties with any of that Egypt stuff. Man, so you got that. And then Indian. Uh, we love to claim Indian, man. There's very few, very, very few people, yeah. black people, who actually have Indian in their ancestry. Indians, much like a lot of these other cultures, they did not like us either. So, hey, let me tell you something real quick. Native Americans on their reservations did not release slaves until 10 years after the Emancipation Proclamation, until until, until 10 years after the Civil War. And they didn't have so to. So 10 years after the Civil War, they yeah, they didn't have to. And that's why they didn't. Mm-hmm. And the Cherokee Nation over the last few years officially banned black people who say, you know, who claim Cherokee ancestry, they ban black people from uh, official recognition. Yep. So there you go right there. We always want to latch on to what other people's struggles are, but nobody cares about hey, us. Man, and as many times as I've heard that from my grandmother, oh, you know, your great, great grandmother had Indian and in no grandma, she didn't. Yeah, she had that long, straight. We we love the equator with hair, yeah. hair. Oh, she had long, straight hair. She must have Indian. And like, man, you remember when I had my hair, my hair was long and straight. Mm -hmm. Oh, you must have Indian in your family. No, I don't. No, it's white. But That's all. It's it's, it's white. That was the lie that our people, our our ancestors told and passed down because, I mean, we all know a lot of our ancestors were raped by white people. And a way to kind of destigmatize that because you don't like to you don't like to acknowledge that you were raped or created from rape by a, a white man. You know, the, the, the false proclamation that, oh, it's Indian. It's, it, you have Indian in your family. Mm-hmm. That, that was just the lie, you know, and, and I can't, you can't blame. I mean, I'm not saying that they were wrong for saying that, but a lot of people that still believe that lie. And I'm sorry, y'all. Don't take an ancestry test because <laughs> you're going to be disappointed. Man, going back to the Middle Easterns, and I'm, I'm not trying to pick on Middle Eastern people whatsoever, but I mean... Back home, we were that's who treated us very poorly. They treated us more poorly than white people back home. They the second in line, I would say, would be the Ethiopians, if if in my experience, at least. Um, So the Middle Easterns and Ethiopians, no, right, yeah. they really treated us like shit. So going back to the top, when I said we were looking for all these jobs, we couldn't find jobs, we couldn't get hired. And, you know. It was a shame because they would come into our neighborhoods. They would open their hair stores. They would take they would buy franchises, subways, um, McDonald's. And, you know, they would look out for themselves, which, again, I have no problem with looking out for your people. But in the process of looking out for your people, don't treat me like shit because I'm not one of you. Okay, if you don't have a job for me, that's cool. But if I'm if I'm patronizing your business, don't treat me like shit, man. Like, like, like to do, you know what I, I could accept, I could accept if you treated everybody like shit, but yeah. the problem is they don't treat everybody like shit and here, they only treat us like shit. Here's a perfect, another perfect example. Uh, P had a video camera, right? And this was when video cameras were very expensive. We, we didn't have iPhones and, um, all these portable devices. We had the, the mini VHS video, uh, things. So, um, he lent it to a friend. Uh, it broke or got jammed or something. So they took it to an appliance uh, repair store. This was back when you still had electronic repair stores. And once again, a uh, Middle Eastern dude 
So they walk in and they say, um, yeah, I want to know if you can take a look at this. Tell me how much it will cost to fix it. So the dude said, all right, yeah, just drop it off and, you know, I'll call you or some shit like that with um, with a quote. So a couple days go by. They get no calls. About a week goes by. So P goes down there and was like, hey, man, you know, I dropped off this video camera to get a quote and, um, you know, to see how much it was going to cost to fix it. So, you know, what's the verdict? Dude said, um, oh, well, it's going to cost like twice whatever the video camera costs. But um, now you owe me a storage fee, $20 per day that I've had it. You, you remember yeah. that, P? Yeah. And my mother was there with me. I said, well, if it's going to cost that much to get the camera fixed. Don't worry. I don't want it. I don't want I don't want to get it fixed. He never mentioned anything about a storage fee. He never said anything about a quote fee. I never signed any paperwork. He never called me. He wouldn't answer my calls. Yep. Then you pop up with this. Oh, I had it for X amount of days. So it's $97. So bottom line is this. We had something. A real a, a video in there that was, you know, good memories of stuff. Yeah. You know, um, I never got the camera back. Yeah. Because he never gave it back. I went to land. Not, sorry, not landlord tenant relations. I'm sorry. I went to this uh, business um, association, wherever it is in Alexandria, through the government and the police. Nothing happened. So this man effectively stole my video camera yeah. and um, pretty much spit in my yeah. face. It's, I mean, that's pretty much what, you know, what if what what it was, man. And that that treatment went on and on and on and on. Right. So as, as black people now, we're, we're getting to the point slowly here. But uh, something else I want to kind of throw in here, P. Um, I know you had mentioned 9-11 the other day and, you know, the anniversary did pass uh, 9-11. After 9-11, we saw a spike in hate crimes towards this particular demographic. Right. Now, as a as a young man, because what, 2001, I I was barely an adult then. I kind of had a hard time feeling bad for him because I'm like, y'all motherfuckers treated us like shit since now. I I can't speak for the rest of the country or or the rest of the world. I can only speak for the D.C. area. But y'all motherfuckers treated us like shit all these years. And now you want us to feel bad for you because. Now people are treating you like you treat us. I had a very hard time feeling bad for him, man. I really, really did. And I mean, I don't want to sound cold or anything, but hey, it is like shit happens. It's not cold. Yeah, shit happens. I'm sorry. This may be un- this may be unpopular, but there is a large segment of our population who feels this way. And I, I will just say in particular, I'm gonna give an example. A lot of the nation of Islam have this same feeling. And I've always felt this way. And it kind of makes me feel happy that I'm not the only one. And look, I, I'm not saying I'm sorry because I'm I'm apologizing for how I feel. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just giving the whole, I'm sorry if you are offended by this statement I'm getting ready to make. But as black people in this country, with all the bullshit we still endure, we're still at the bottom. Every other ethnicity has come to this country after us because we were here first mm-hmm. with the first white people, right? Um, has come behind us and has become more successful than us. We're still at the bottom, right? I have a hard time getting emotionally riled up about what goes on to other ethnicities. Like, for example, um, we don't do politics on here, but I'm just going to give an example. The Democratic uh, uh, race is going on. They've decided to make immigration and the border situation their big issue. I'm like, if you want to win, that's not the best way to win. You know, because a lot of us black folk feel like, what about us? You know, uh, frankly, a lot of black folk under Obama felt like, what about us? And 
it's it's like how can and I and I, and I think our people a lot of time fall victim to this too much where we feel as though everybody else's cause is our cause too because the the old argument is well we shouldn't be um you know what's the word tolerating uh, any m- mistreatment of anyone based off of how we were treated but you know I love history and my my wife you know um, is in is in a prominent African American fraternity. I mean, I'm sorry, sorority. And um, <laughs> damn, <laughs> back in the day, your wife yeah, in a fraternity. fraternity. Back in the day, this particular sorority was, you know, they were hand in hand with Susan B. Anthony and a lot of the early uh, women suffragettes. Um, you know about the right to vote. The thing was, what those suffragettes were doing is they were using the black people as you know, sort of allies to have numbers. But they stated publicly, um, well it's been made public now that the right for white people to vote, white women to vote trumps any civil rights bills whatsoever. So at that time they were marching with, with black folk and the deltas and and all these other groups were, were marching right along with these suffragettes. But the whole time these suffragettes were like, well, if it comes down to it, fuck y'all, I don't care about y'all civil rights. We just using you. And that's how it's always been. And that's why I feel like I'm not wasting my time getting emotional over somebody else's problem. Yeah. Because History has shown, like I said a minute ago, they have an ethnicity. Ultimately, they can form their own communities and band together. And uh, us as black people will just get scattered whenever that next group comes in and wants to take our territory. And we're left with nowhere to go. Yeah, man, that that really that sums it up, man. So, you know, after 9-11, I, I just I had a hard time um, feeling uh, any any type of sympathy for innocent people who were victims of um you know harassment and all these brutal attacks and stuff because just because of my personal experience and the experiences of my my friends and family p included you know in the in the dc area where you guys like i said treated us like shit for so long but yet you again like i said you move into our neighborhoods you open your corner stores you you open your your beauty shops, your hair salons, and sure, I'm I'm sure a lot of us would like to be able to do these things, but you know, as P mentioned, a lot of us are unable to. Like seriously, we're just unable to. We're so far behind. Now, to get to the the actual point of the show, I guess is I I go as far as to say every black person in America suffers from some sort of anxiety, maybe not necessarily an anxiety disorder, but an anxiety like we see with all the police shootings, um, all these white police officers killing unarmed black men uh, like the the shit in Ohio with uh, Tamir Rice. Like that was a child with a toy gun. It's not unheard of for a child to have a toy gun. We had toy guns that look like real guns when we were kids. And, you know, you, you got to think about your kids leaving out the house. You have the school shootings You and school shootings. Ninety nine percent of the time, it's going to be a white student that is targeting either bullies or minority children. Man, um, you, you look at El Paso, Texas, the the mass shooting there, the the shooter was a white person targeting Hispanic people, Latino people, man. Is is a very anxious time to be in, and like I said, as black people, this is shit we worried about. We worry about when your children leave the house. You're not necessarily sure they're gonna come home. It, they could get arrested for for nothing. 
the there's been many a times P me P have friends we know have either been arrested or detained by police stopped frisked um and I think we told uh remember that time story before where we ended up having to go to court for smoking under the age while I was the one who was smoking and one of the things we do is we're honest about shit and we do kind of live by the street rules as far as growing up at least if I'm doing some shit and I get caught that's on me even if we're doing it together if I'm the one that gets caught that's on me this time I was the one doing shit. I was smoking cigarettes in the car, which is like a minor fucking offense. I was like, what, 17 years old, a year before I can actually smoke. P wasn't smoking. P didn't smoke at that time. We got pulled over. Cop, oh, I saw both of you passing a cigarette back and forth. And well, no, first. Well, no, no. First, first. Remember, remember, first, she didn't have a reason. She made that reason up. Yeah, she was at following first she us. walked to the car and said, we didn't. Yeah, all through the Pentagon parking lots and everything. And that, you can drive that way. That was a way to get to 95 um, back then. Yeah. At first, she walked up and asked about our seatbelts, remember? Yeah. And then when she realized that our seatbelts were on, she left and then came back, took me out of the car, searched me, and then said something, you know, and I was getting angry because I'm like, why am I getting searched here on the side of traffic in 90, on, on 395 in, in traffic? Fucking embarrassing, and, um, man. Yeah, and you know, during rush hour, then she pops up with, I saw you guys smoking. Like, lady, I said, you know, I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? I don't even smoke cigarettes. You know, so that was, yeah, she, that was, <laughs> that was just one of those things that could have went bad because I had an attitude problem. I remember, Dan, when I was getting mad, you told me, you said, hey, man, chill, chill. I, I believe. I started to get mouth, m- mouth back I believe at her. I stuck my head out the window and said, hey, man, don't beat her ass. <laughs> you did because I was getting pissed off. Because she was throwing me, you know, searching me for nothing. I'm like, what? I was the fucking passenger. Yeah. We didn't do anything. And I specifically said, I was the one smoking. I have the cigarettes in my pocket. No, you you guys were passing them back and forth. Like, yeah, okay, I guess whatever. So, you know, like I said, a certain level of anxiety. And P mentioned, you know, um, his people coming to town orders wrong at restaurants i'm the same way if my order's wrong at a restaurant i just let it i I just let it go you know what if my service is bad at a restaurant if my service is bad anywhere i'm just like all right whatever i'm I'm just never coming here again and there's never going there yeah there's lots of places now that I, i don't go to for just that reason and we have to approach everything we do in life with caution with caution man like I can't think of anything that we as black people can do without using some bit of caution. I mean, P, you you got anything that black people in America can do without feeling some sort of anxiety or I mean, I know a lot of people go to these HBCUs and they think, yeah, I'm gonna be around my people. I'm gonna be comfortable, this and that. Well, guess what? There's white cops that patrol all around these HBCUs. And guess who they looking for? They looking for y'all niggas, man. There's a. Uh, uh, but you know what, though? It, it's it's like it's like uh, boy, I think Boys in the Hood had the, the best scene, one of the best scenes in all the movies. A lot of the time and even Ice Cube said it in one of the songs. A lot of the time, the black cops be worse than the white cops. Yeah. When I was talking about the cop who threatened to arrest me at the school just for talking to a teacher, um, he was black, yeah. you know, threatening me. And, I, and he knew who I was. He knew I was a former public servant, just like he was. So, you know, it don't matter what color you are. I mean, look, here's the thing. If you black, it's so, it, it, we see it as a joke. All, a lot of memes, you know, you can be dry. 
driving a speed limit, no drugs in your car, not breaking any laws whatsoever. You see a cop on the road behind you, you instantly get nervous. Yep. Like, what are you nervous for? It's a cop back there. What are you nervous for? I, it's just a cop. Because we know that any inter, any seemingly innocent interaction with a police officer can take a drastic turn. Fuck, I got a story. Remember when I was, uh, I told you that I got all those charges and got thrown on the ground and searched by PG County police when I was uh, driving my ex's car to, to try to make tight turns because the wheel was making a funny noise. And she was following me in my infinity behind me and some undercover cop was following us and i saw the car i was like it's a cop following us but whatever it was our cars registered to both of us she pulls me over throws me you know throws me on the back of the car um i was working on my hard drive on my old uh desktop at the time right before i left the house and i had one of those little teeny tiny eyeglass screwdrivers Mm -hmm. and i had my actually had the hard drive and the screwdriver in my pocket so she searches me and she says, we got you now, fireboy, because she knew I was a firefighter, which was funny. I'm like, oh, really? I said, you got me. I said, I'm not allowed to have a screwdriver in my damn pocket. I said, I got a hard drive in the other pocket. So she threw She put me on the ground, you know, called other cops over. So it ended up being this big scene. It was no joke. It was like seven cop cars. It looked like it was a big drug bust going on. And um, I said, didn't you check the registrations to see that both these cars check out to both of us? What are we doing here? So they made up. Bullshit charges, uh, not a non-illuminated uh, license, rear license plate, uh, just bullshit reasons. They all got thrown out in court because the cops never even showed yeah. up. But I essentially got thrown on the ground, searched and had uh, detectives and all these cops come at me, treat me like garbage, searched me multiple times, made me sit on the ground with my hands behind my back cuffed while they searched the car. Cars that were registered to me and my ex at the time and never a reason yep. for why we were pulled over. And guess what? They still ain't find your pistol. Exactly. And it was all black. <laughs> Man, that, his pistol was in the car and he was in Maryland where it was illegal it, to have It wasn't, one. but no, no thing, it, it, it wasn't in the car I was driving. My ex was driving my car. Yeah, but they searched which that Which was joint. registered in Virginia. They didn't search that car. They searched the car I was driving. Damn, I thought she like hid that joint or something. Like She did, just in case. Because she kept on mouthing off of the cops saying, why y'all messing with him? And I told her, just like you was telling me, chill. I was like, shut the hell up. I'm in Maryland, not Virginia. And in Maryland, you get five years for having having a pistol. But she had already hidden it. And I just didn't want them to start searching that car. But they didn't. They I couldn't find my own pistol the next day when I was looking for it. It was hidden so well. Damn, where my gun go? Yeah, those was black cops. Yeah, so it, it, it just don't matter, man. And, you know, people who aren't nervous. Black folk, that's never happened to me. Yeah. Okay. Don't worry. It will. It, it will. <laughs> it will. Um, two two other inc- instances come to mind. Two, one where we had a gun drawn on us, um, in on Pennsylvania yep. Avenue in D.C. Yep, right up the hill by a black cop approaching Alabama yep. Avenue. We were headed to work. We worked in Southeast D.C. and we get pulled over. No, no reason. Wasn't speeding. Nothing. So guy walks up, draws his gun and I'm looking at him in the side view mirror as he's drawing his gun. And I'm like, yo, what what the fuck is going on? So I, I did the same thing that I always do. And I, I crack a little joke. I'm like, hey, man, chill. You ain't got to shoot us or nothing. And he said something smart. Like, do I have a reason to shoot you? I'm like, yeah. Man, what the fuck? And remember, at that time, D.C., uh, M- they called MPD. If For those who don't know. D.C. Police Department is called MPD. They were under investigation by the FBI for excessive force. They were shooting people left and right back then. 
And that was right in that same era. Yeah. And in that same area, too, man. <laughs> so yeah. I'm like, I'm thinking I'm going to ease the tension. Like, I don't know why this dude's so high strung and got his fucking gun out. So anyway, we sat there on the side of the road for what, maybe 30 minutes or so. And the dude. Yeah, and it was rush hour. It was rush hour. So that's how you know we weren't speeding. If anyone's ever going up Pennsylvania Avenue, going towards the border of Maryland, yeah. um, before you get to Alabama Avenue, if anybody has ever driven that 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 strip past the firehouse and all that stuff, past 295, you would know that you cannot speed up that hill during rush Hell hour. Hell no. So I ended up getting a ticket for a burnt out either taillight or license plate light. And the, the light wasn't burnt out either. And I mean, everyone who knows me knows that I, I grew up working on cars and shit like that just didn't happen to me as far as burnt out lights. Right. Uh, another time looking for a place. I told this story on the show before, too, but looking for a place to park at my mother's house. Me and P again in the car get pulled over by who happened to be one of P's um, future co-workers at the fire station. But oh, yeah, he, yeah, 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 yeah they do. He, uh, us over. he did. He he he. Yeah, he didn't know. He didn't know that. Um, I reminded him that he. Well, he did to me one time, and I actually had another coworker of mine who was much older, who actually didn't. Who who had a, a similar run in with him years prior, and confronted him and was about to beat his ass at the firehouse. Should have, man. That dude in front of my mother's house, all uh, all black neighborhood for the most part. Um got us pulled pulled us over made us get out the car searched the car searched us threw us up against the car and we're like well, what's all this for man i'm just trying to find a fucking parking spot because they're row houses so sometimes you have to drive up and down the block a few times before you see a space so no reason and all the neighbors come outside and they look in and you know like p said when he was in maryland or like when we were in dc on the side of the road or even when we were in arlington like this shit happened everywhere we went and it, it just makes a huge spectacle. And what this does to other people, other races, other ethnicities, they look at us. And much like when I look at the the victims of hate crimes after 9-11, they look at us the same way. Like, I wonder what those niggers have done, man. See them niggers always doing some shit. They're always getting into some trouble. They deserve whatever the fuck's happening to them. Not knowing that we're being systematically like targeted because of how we look like we we would do nothing illegal. And that's part of the anxiety we used to have to have even leaving the house. We knew that we couldn't ride around with drugs. We couldn't ride around with guns for the most part. We couldn't drive drunk. We couldn't do a lot of the shit that our, our white counterparts get slaps on the wrist for, because at the end of the day, we're doing nothing and we're still catching charges. We're still getting tickets. We're still being humiliated on the side of the road and shit like that will ruin your day. I'm not sure if any of you listening have either been mm -hmm. on your way Richard to go Pryor. somewhere. No. <laughs> yeah. Been. <laughs> yeah, you, you know exactly <laughs> what was going on to get dinner, man. <laughs> but I'm not sure. I spoiled it. I, 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 I spoiled it for you. I'll let you tell man, me. If, if you've been going anywhere, Going like P just said, going out to eat, going especially to go meet a chick, go on a date or some shit. Uh, I, I got another story. I was going to play basketball. It's something simple as that in New Orleans too. See, shit happens in New Orleans too. It's like no matter where you go. So I'm walking to my car again. This was apartment building in the CBD of New Orleans, where it, parking is very, very limited. So sometimes you have to park like two blocks over and walk. 
That's cool. I'm walking to my car to go play basketball, get to my car. And I noticed a police cruiser was following me going super slow, going like less than five miles an hour, just rolling and rolling. And I made a turn down one block, the police car made. And I'm like, here we go. So I, I looking back, I probably should just walk back to the damn apartment building and just went home because I knew it was going to happen. So I get in the car, start the car. And the police car just stops, stops short of uh, where I was blocking the blocking the traffic. So I'm like, all right, let's see what happens. So I start the car. And before I can even put it in gear, dude, hits his lights, jump out, license and registration. I'm like, Jesus Christ, I just got in the car. I'm not even fucking driving at this point. I don't care. License and registration. Gave him the license, gave him registration, gave him the insurance. OK, show me your uh, credit cards. I'm like, I don't have any credit cards. I'm like, I don't know, 21, 2021. Since when has that been a fucking requirement to have one you at all times? So I'm like, I don't have any credit cards. Give me your wallet. Like, no, what the fuck? You robbing me? No, I'm not giving you my wallet. You got my license. You got my registration and my insurance. What else do you need? You got no right to ask for nothing else. So this motherfucker says, um, something, something to the effect of you're a suspect in stealing somebody's credit card. So I'm like, I don't have a uh, credit card. So and why why would I be a suspect in basketball shorts like I'm dressed to go play basketball? Well, uh, probable cause. So now you have to give me your wallet. I'm like, what the fuck, man? So, you know, what's funny. He, you know what he did wrong there? If you were really if that was really a, the, the case, why didn't he just search you? Why wouldn't he order you out of the car and pat you down and then find your wallet and then go through it right. himself? Why would he ask you to hand it to him? Yeah. That's improper procedure right then and there. I, and because then you get you go in your pocket, reach for a wallet, and then, oh, I thought he was reaching gun. for a yeah. gun. And I, I bet you, honestly, I bet you he really was trying to rob me. I mean, this is New well, Orleans. So we all know how the cops used to do in Barry Bonds. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I really didn't have any credit cards. All I had was a debit card, an old First Union Bank debit card. And that bank has been closed for many years, even when I even when I got pulled over. Fargo now. So I said, see, I don't have any credit cards. So he tosses like he literally just throws a pile of shit into my lap, my license, my registration, my wallet and my insurance card. He throws a whole pile in my lap. Shit goes everywhere. And he just jumps in his car and drives off. Mind you, I was going to play basketball. I was going to meet some dudes down the street to play basketball. I sat there in my car for a second and I'm like, I don't even want to go nowhere now, man. I'm a, I just turned the car off, locked it up, walked back to the apartment, went home. That shit will ruin your fucking day. And in all of these cases, we've done nothing wrong. So, you know, that that's these type of experiences. They shape what we do and how we view things and and how we view even going places, man. We don't fucking trust you. Black people, I, I can speak for 90% of black people and no disrespect to our white, our white listeners and our white, our white viewers, but 90% of us don't fucking trust you. Even if you say that, oh, I'm an ally. Oh, you know, I, I'm here for you guys. Our experiences tell us otherwise. So, you know, forgive us if we come off a little harsh or a little brash towards you because... Listen, I I know every damn near every single black person can sit down and tell you similar stories, man. We can't we can't function like normal human beings in public, man. 
So a lot of us, yeah, we do have anxiety and to other people, our fears and our, our situations we come up with, like what could possibly happen sound irrational, but they're not. They're based on our experiences, mm -hmm. man. It's funny. I, I didn't notice a lot of the things that we subconsciously do until I, you know, started going out with my wife and things I would do. And she would look at me and be like, why'd you do that? And I would say, what do you mean? Like, for example, um, going into a, a bank, uh, going into a, a store, going anywhere. I always make sure my hands are present and I always take off my hat. Always. Don't matter what kind of hat I have on. I take it off. Why you do that? Because I don't want them to think I'm about to rob this. Yeah. And that's just something I've always subconsciously done. I'm going to give you a story kind of re relating to that. Why I always have my hands visible. Like sometimes I even I, I get nervous when I'm in a store, when I'm checking my cell phone in my pocket. Because I feel like, oh, Lord, I'm, they're going to see I put something in my pocket and think I yeah. stole something when it was really just I my phone. I do that, too. It's just stuff like that. Yeah, and other people don't have to worry about those kinds of things. So I remember years ago, uh, me and one of, our, one of my good friends, uh, we talked about him on a show a while back. Um, known this guy for a long time. We were at the 7-Eleven once, and we were buying, uh, we were going to, I remember we bought, I think he bought some, what was that damn candy called? It had the um, the little stick. And it was the pot, was it fun dip or something yeah, like that? Yeah, yeah. Um, fun dip. I bought wacky wafers. And uh, I remember this when you could buy condoms off the shelf. <laughs> um, he had some, he, he was going to buy some condoms. He wasn't getting none, you know, and that's why I was laughing. That was the joke, right? He was, so we, we, we paid for, we paid for this stuff. But what he, but what happened was we were going to the drink section and I laughed. I was joking. I said, what you buying condoms for? You ain't getting none, man. Come on, man. So he started laughing. So he put he put the condoms down. He put the condoms down on the shelf um, in the chip section. Now, granted, he didn't put them back where he got them, but he put them back. So we go to the register. We buy this stuff. And then the guy says, OK, and now where are the condoms? I'm like, what are you talking about? He was like, I saw you. You're trying to steal them. So he no joke. He locked the fucking doors to the 7-Eleven and said, you're not leaving until you until you give me those columns. Y'all 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 try to steal. I said, yo, ain't nobody try to steal nothing at that point. I'm being a dick because mm -hmm. I would I, I could have just told them where they was at. I wanted to see how far he was willing to take this. Um, you know, and I'd already been experienced with run ins from cops. So I was like, you know what? Fuck this guy. My homie was a little more, um, I think, nervous. So I was like, oh, you going to search me? He was like, if I have to, I said, try it. I said, put your hands on me here. I, I wanted, I wanted to, I wanted to whoop his ass. So when he realized that I wasn't scared of him, I said, Hey, come here, let me show you something. And, and, and it was funny because it was other customers in the store. I made a scene. I said, y'all come here too. Come on. No joke. I led like a line of four people to the drink section. And then I, I pointed to the condom on the chips. I said, you mean these condoms right here? And he grabbed him and all the people was just kind of looking at him. The dude felt like you can you can just tell that his like he felt embarrassed and he just took him and walked away and put him back on the shelf. Unlocked the doors. Didn't say sorry. Didn't say nothing. Yeah. And that's when I walked. I left. I left. <laughs> as of course, as I'm leaving, I make a scene. I said, fuck you and walked out. But, you know, it's just stuff like that, man. Like you always got to be on man, alert. Check because you're always being watched. Check this, though. Um, Same same situation. I, I don't know if places do this anymore, but. I typically don't shop at um, these types of, of places. But uh, quick question, too, man. Did the 7-Eleven do happen to be Middle Eastern? Of course. <laughs> of course. Man. Of people, course. People going to think we, we just being some racist dicks. But no, we're, we're really sharing no, our No, if you're not from the D.C. area. But, but if you're not from the D.C. area 
Baltimore, Philly, New York, New Jersey, Northeast, Mid-Atlantic, you won't, you don't understand. Right. Because being here in, in, in the South, I mean, you have Latino, Black, 7-Eleven franchise owners. Um, you have, and you also have some from, you know, India, but not necessarily as many, you know, Eritreans, Ethiopian, Egyptians, and Middle Easterners like we have back home in the D.C. Yep. area. Man, we were at, um, there was this pager store right next to Mia's Market. You remember at the, um, what's that, the Calvert? <laughs> so we yeah it used to be highs back yeah highs man so we go in this pager shop and used to get lucy's there remember hold on hold on hold on, hold on. nobody remembers this but me for some reason i'm like y'all don't remember you we used to get lucy's there you used to be able to go buy single cigarettes or uh, just a, a open pack you can get five of them like nobody remembers that you used to be able to go to highs and mia's market and get man, lucy's you're like no like, i'm like okay speaking of not remembering shit Every time I say this, people think that I'm fucking lying, right? When I said, man, hey, man, when I was driving, gas was 64 cent back in like 99. Yeah, I'm telling you. Nobody believes that We would that drive shit. a crown on Woodbridge. I don't understand why. It was, you. we used to go to the crown on Route 1 and we used to drive all the way to Woodbridge and get gas for 67 yep. cent. And people were like, gas was never that cheap during your lifetime. Bullshit. But- that's because they exactly. weren't driving. That, that's what it is. They weren't driving. I remember one time your father said, why do y'all drive all the way out to Woodbridge instead of paying 80 cent here to pay 67 cent because you burn up just as much gas? We really didn't have an answer other than we just like going to Woodbridge. <laughs> yeah, he was out fucking around in Woodbridge anyway. Yeah. I mean, you know, we just looking for something to do. Washing. Remember that time you washed your car at the gas at that at that um, car wash joint? It, and it was like <laughs> it was like two degrees outside and then the car got frozen <laughs> damn I'm like yo you can't even dry the car off young because it's frozen <laughs> that shit froze immediately man I thought they used hot water in them joints they don't use no hot water or they didn't have none that shit don't matter man. <laughs> it don't matter if it's hot or not if, you, if it's one degree outside you throw a bowl of water outside it's going to immediately turn that to ice that shit funny man but um <laughs> Yeah, pager store, same thing. Pagers were a big deal when we were growing up. Pagers were like the iPhones of today. So we would go just look at pages, man. They they started having the, the, the different colors, like blue, turquoise. Some they had the sideways pages that um the see through joints. The what? The see through yeah, joints. Yeah, see through where you can like see the, the internals of it. So we would go to pager stores and just look at pages, man. So one day, uh, we went to this pager store, looked at some pages. Same thing happened. Dude comes from behind the counter, goes to the door, locks the door. Ain't no one getting out of here until I get the pager y'all stole. Like, we didn't steal any pagers. We were just looking at them. Nah, I know one of you, one of you stole a pager and y'all not leaving until I get the pager back. We, we really literally didn't steal a pager. And even if you did steal a pager, how are you going to activate it? Because you had to get them activated when you bought yeah. So, like... What the fuck? the fuck is this? I got the hookup, Master yeah. P? What so, it's like, then the dude wanted to search everyone. Well, I'm, I'm going to search. And all these business owners back in our day, before, before again, all this surveillance and all the um cell phone cameras and shit, these motherfuckers would try you. They would try to search you. They would try. And if you didn't know any better, you would let them. But of course, because we had so many run-ins with the law, we knew that you can't search us. So it's either I wish you would put your exactly. hands on me. <laughs> you're either gonna open this door or you're gonna call the cops. One or the other. And this time, of course, he goes and uh he calls the cops. 
Cops get there. Any of you boys still a pager? Nope. Okay, y'all can go. It didn't even bother checking us, man. So it's like shit like that was so regular that the cops just stopped caring after a while that these businesses would do that. See, you know, as a grown up, as a grown up, I, now if someone were to do that, I'd get a lawyer and sue them for illegal detainment. Yeah. And um, because you can't do that. That that's actually held forcibly against your will. Even security officers at the mall, they can't hold you yeah. unless you give them permission. So like, I'm gonna give another uh little thing. This is the Black Law edition of a, a portion of a few. Oh, I got something for that too. For example, if you just, I'm just gonna give a different example, right? Well, no, I'll keep it on the same thing. If you hold someone against their will and order them into another room, you can be effectively charged with kidnapping. Because you have forcibly taken someone to another location against their will. So if you're in a, if you, you know, say you break in somebody's house and, and you say everybody on the floor, get in the bathroom. And so you can be charged with breaking and entry, robbery, uh, and also kidnapping because you ordered someone into a location they didn't want to, they didn't agree to. So, you know, one of these store owners of these businesses tr- tries to illegally detain you and says, and forces you into their back office and makes you stay there. You can technically they can be charged with kidnapping man here's another one for you too i've always had a problem with walmart when you leave and they want to check your receipt at the door right i can i can somewhat understand it if you're leaving with a tv that's not bagged or anything however once you give somebody some money for something to, to purchase something and they give you a receipt but even if they don't give you a receipt but and they give you a receipt That is your property as soon as that transaction takes place. So a lot of people feel like they have to show these people at the door at at Walmart their receipt. No, you don't have to show because that would be the equivalent of someone standing at the door and at Walmart saying, hey, let me see the receipt for the clothes that you have on that you wore in here. It's your property. You paid for it. It's yours. So you don't have to show these fuckers at the door a receipt. And I never do. I will walk right past them and they'll be yelling receipt. I need to see your receipt. I need to see your receipt. And I just keep on walking like, fuck you. I paid for this shit. I got my receipt. If you want to do something about it, call the cops. But by the time the cops get here, I'm going to be gone. So that that's just another thing. Um, You know, you don't. You know, they even, they even gave they even got special little. uh, I don't know if they do in, in New Orleans yet, but now here in Charlotte, the people that ask for receipts, they even got these little scanners now. So instead of looking at your receipt, I don't know what the scanner fucking does or says, mm-hmm. but they scan your receipt when you leave. I'm like, what are you scanning my receipt for? That doesn't prove if I paid for these paper towels that's not bagged or yeah. not. Like, I can see if you looking for the big box of diapers on the receipt to see, but what, what, what are you scanning? I mean, it's not doing anything. Man. I just deal with it because I don't, I hate Walmart, but in the South, you got to go to Walmart. Yeah. I mean, that's just what and, it is. I just don't even care. I'm like, I'm like, whatever, man. It's better to just, I, I don't even bother arguing like I, I i used to do the same thing i used to be like i ain't showing y'all See, shit i ain't got the patience because i i know I, i'd get mad and i'd probably strangle one of these motherfuckers and end up going and that's that's part of the problem what we're saying what we're kind of talking about in general though is again you have to conform to do some bullshit because you're black now a white person they can hey hey buddy fuck you you're not seeing my receipt and that's the end of this story <laughs> and walks the fuck out no one will question them but People will laugh. They're like, ha, he's tripping. Or, hey, he knows his rights. But the next motherfucker behind him, let a black dude, hey, man, fuck you, nigga. I ain't showing you shit. 
And by the time you make it to your car, the police going to be there. So it's just so much, man. It's it's really a lot. And I've kind of just I've resigned to not going anywhere anymore. And a lot of times I really don't want to go anywhere. But the very few places that I do want to go, there's just so many rules that we have to follow. And they're not laws. They're not the they're rules that only kind of black people have to follow, man. And I'm looking, I look, I see Asians don't have to follow these rules. I see, uh, again, the Middle Easterns don't have to follow these rules. Indians don't have to follow these rules. Only us. There's like society has a different set of rules for us. And that shit weighs on you, man. And, you know, it it, it makes you going back to the 9-11 shit. Like I said, it, it was really hard for me to be sympathetic. But then when you see shit like, um, what's the dude's name, man? Um, it, and it, I probably really shouldn't be saying this, but who, who gives a shit? You, you remember that, uh, black dude that went around killing people recently, like the past couple of years? Oh, Christopher Dorner. The, the cop. cop from yeah. LA? Yeah. The stuff, you see stuff like that and you're like, hmm, <laughs> that, that, that's your reaction. Hmm, man. I mean, because he was getting, he, he tried multiple times to report cases of police brutality against black people that he saw from fellow officers. I mean, he was a Navy. I think he was like a special forces in the army and everything. And they did nothing about it. So he got sick of it. I'm not justifying now. I'm not justifying killing people, especially, you know, he killed, he killed the daughter of one of his former coworkers. And I'm like, what the hell did she do? Right. But at the same time, it's like, but you know what? Some people, but you know, but I'm just speaking, I'm not speaking that I feel this way. I'm just saying, when I raised that concern to people I was talking to at the time, they said, well, what did the daughters or sons of someone else do that got killed by the cops? So, I mean, you know, I mean, it's, I'm not saying it's right, but at the same time, you can't really sit here and just automatically come to the conclusion that, oh, y'all, you're totally wrong and just dismiss someone's dismiss someone's feelings yeah. because of the way of life that we have. Because frankly, I know, you know, we, we spoke of some instances on this show. But it's so many things that I it's like, you know, when you have so many examples, somebody says name one and you can't name any. Yeah, because it's just how it is, man. You don't even remember half of this shit, man. And that that's going to take me into the I guess the final segment. And, you know, uh, P and I had a conversation in this uh, again, uh, last show off mic, just kind of brainstorming. But um. So not only is there a certain set of rules in society that black people have to follow, they're unwritten rules, but we all know what they are. And again, like P said, don't don't wear a hat in the bank. Don't put your cell phone in your pocket while you're in the store. I mean, always, always have your hands present. Um, I, I don't want to interrupt but real quick. Just another thing I do when I talk to armed security. I talked a lot of the armed security guards at the credit union I go to or talking to police officers just, you know, at the store or wherever, you know, um, I typically always make sure my hands are visible. I don't stand like, you know, sometimes you stand with your hands behind your back in the at ease yeah. position. Sometimes I stand like that. It's a, but I make sure like, nope, I can't stand like that around this cop. I don't want to stand with my arms crossed. I don't want to stand in a, in a defensive posture with my shoulder at them. And I don't want to put my hands in my pockets because I don't want them to automatically think, get your hands out of your pocket. It's just that, a, and it's just that, regular conversation. Like, hey, what's up, man? How you doing? Us, and I'm still thinking when like we that. got out the car, my mother yeah. took us to the mall one evening. We got out the car and we're walking into the mall. It was freezing cold outside. We both had on coats. 
and we had our hands in our pockets. Was this at Landmark? Nah, Springfield. And, uh, oh, oh, that's right. Damn, I forgot about that. See? I, mean, I remember that now. <laughs> See, you yep. forget about them. That's how often this shit happens. <laughs> but uh, Fairfax County police officer rolls up to us, puts the spotlight on us. It was a woman. I'll, was it? It was a woman, nah, I, th- right? I think it was a dude. I thought it was a You know what? I'm combining her. I'm combining that with the one on 95. But I do remember because we were going in through where the target side yeah. is. Well, now, yeah. So yep. we're, we're walking again, freezing cold, hands in our pockets. So they roll up, put the little spotlight on us. Hey, stop right there. So they get out and they start asking us questions like, where are you guys going? Motherfucker, we're at the mall. Where do you think we're going? So, again, us being black to the mall. Uh, Where do you guys live? And then and I said Springfield. Oh, so you're from here? No, Illinois. <laughs> I was just thinking on my feet. So I was like, because the whole situation was stupid. So we, I guess, I think we actually did laugh. And motherfucker said, both of you, take your hands out your pocket now. It's like, what the fuck? It's cold. I need to see your hands. I don't feel safe if I don't see your hands. Like, motherfucker, I don't feel safe right now with you. And it's like my mom's is sitting in the car like maybe four or five cars behind and she has no clue she's oblivious to what's going on so yeah man it's like yeah you just like you gotta walk up walk around with your hands up in the air and even that half the time man that is it's ridiculous but um what i was going to go on to say is like i said there's a there's a, a certain set of rules in society that we have to follow as black people uh and then it can be divided into categories black women have to uh they have another set of rules that they have to follow that are separate from the rules that all black people have to follow. Black men have a set of rules that we have to follow that's separate than the the entirety of our race. But there's there's a lot of rules within our race that make I'm that just about shit. to say the same thing. We got to follow rules for yeah, ourselves. And they, that just makes it that much more difficult. It's like, yo, nigga, can I fucking live? At the end of the day, cannot fucking nigga. Live. Don't you, nigga? Don't you dare! Don't don't you dare go eat a Popeye sandwich. You Uncle Tom Coon buying the white man's chicken. Man. Don't you dare man. do that. You know, it's just always something. You you know, black people don't do this. Black people don't yeah, do like, that. We like to you play know, golf, just, man. Like you remember when we went to that golf course on Telegraph Road and the dude was fucking oh, mocking yeah. us. Greendale. That man tried to be yeah, an asshole. You guys look he like tried some to be an upstanding asshole, golfers. Then, yep. Yep. Well, no, no. First, he tried to be an asshole because he didn't believe we was there to play golf. And then I showed him my fire department ID and then he suddenly got nice. He was like, oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. And then he kept on rolling up on us and checking up on us. I'm like, we don't know what he's doing. I play golf every goddamn week with my father. I've been playing golf and then years. some motherfuckers. Fuck then we almost here. get into it with some other golfers when we told them to play past us. And it was like, no, y'all need to hurry up. Yeah. Because if you don't play golf, the courtesy thing is if you're playing slow or if you know you're not as good as someone behind you, you, you tell them to play through man so and, you know i mean i'm you know so yeah yeah just, niggas can't play golf um man they're, they're, and there's a lot of shit that we like to do uh another thing p and i both we like rock and roll music and you know it's like man y'all y'all listen to that y'all listen to white people music man i don't see how y'all listen to that shit man fuck that y'all niggas know they listen Niggas know they listen to that. You show me a black person say they don't like Queen or a black person who say they don't like Phil Collins. They lying their ass. Half of them motherfuckers these days probably don't know who the fuck Queen is. <laughs> but yeah, man. Well, they know because the movie. So, you know, there, there's other things that. So, OK, now we can't we can't be this way in public because of white America or ev- even other ethnicities. 
We can't be this way in public because we're black and we're whatever gender we are. Now, within our own community, we can't do certain shit. Like nowadays, it's cool to be a nerd, right? Back in our day, you couldn't be smart. And I said this before, I dumbed myself down. I'm, I'm, I'm a fairly intelligent person. I, I wouldn't go on as far as to say, oh, I'm, you know, a genius or anything. But I like to consider myself fairly intelligent, especially for an eighth grade dropout. But it's like it wasn't cool to be smart. So you would. It ain't cool now. Don't let our definition of nerd ain't the same as definition of nerd now. Remember, I got two 18 year olds, 13 year old, 12 year old. Motherfuckers think nerd culture is the same as what nerd meant when we grew up. Nerd meant you were about your books, you were about school and you got good grades and that was it. Now, nerd culture is I like comic books. I wear glasses. Look how I'm dressed. But at the same time, they still have that same attitude towards being smart. Why are you talking white? Or you are, oh, look, you a punk or you like school or so it's not the same definition. Man, I've seen, I've I've seen, seen, uh, not with the kids, but with adults. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Young adults, like college age, early 20s. Like, yo, that that shit's cool, man. But yeah, I, I see what you're saying as far as with kids. But regardless, man, it's like, my whole life, as far as, you know, being young, had to downplay my intelligence just just because, you know, it wasn't cool to be smart and you fuck around, you get your ass kicked for knowing something. And it's like, yo, just all these fucking rules we have to follow. It, it's suffocating and it makes it fucking hard to even exist as a black person, period, man. Like there's so much that's placed on us as people like none of these restrictions are placed on anyone else. Period, man. It's by design. Yeah. It's by design. Think about it. Think about it. It's funny how in medicine they always say black people are predisposed to certain conditions, but yet when you go to Africa, they're not predisposed to those same yeah. conditions. Why? Because the stress level. Stress literally kills you. We are a stressed out people from birth till death. Therefore, we end up being more susceptible to d- diseases with a, me- a weaker immune system because we're stressed yeah. out. Stress will kill you. And we're stressed chronically from birth until and, death. And what's interesting, too, I there's this theory out here. I'm not smart enough to know if it's true or not, but I, I do believe that it has some validity. Right. Which is I know what you're about to say, and I'm about to disagree with it before you stress, say it. But, but stress is in our DNA because it's passed down from our ancestors who were stressed and their fetuses got this stress hormone or some, some shit like that. I, I forget exactly. Like I yeah. said, I'm not smart enough to say if it's true or not. But when I look back, I don't agree. I, with I, I look at my parents were stressed. My grandparents were stressed, fearful, like and going all the way back as far as I can remember, man. But see, but that's because our life, our life conditions and our environment makes you stressed. The, 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 all right, that art, that, that whole theory is saying that slavery has affected our genes. Mm-hmm. So therefore, the effects of slavery is now genetically encoded in us um, to cause certain conditions because we are, we, we, we have this gene that's been altered by slavery. I don't like that idea and that proposition mm-hmm. because it, thereby labels us as born defective, born not equal because we have a gene in us because now if what it effectively is saying is that we are genetically subservient. And I don't I don't accept that because I think it's dumb to say that as a scientist, because 
you're just going to ignore the societal. Once again, we this show whole show is about how we have to live under a certain set of rules and other people don't understand it. So we're just going to summarize all of our issues that we have because of the conditions that we have to struggle with every day to now just saying, oh, it's a gene. Well, you know what? I love science, biology, and I really love genetics. Show me. Show show me the genome. Show me the show me the genetic marker in black people that you have identified as the quote slavery gene. I'll wait. Yeah, because they're not going to be able to. I mean, like I said, I don't know enough, but it, it sounds good. And I and when I say it sounds good, it, it to to me it makes sense. And as far as like being subservient, no, I, I'm not. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about our level of stress. And so. Here's something for you, too. Now, um, I'm not tying this to any gen- genetics, but uh, black people, I, I can tell you this about black people. We can handle damn near, e- even though it's fucking hard, it's hard to breathe. We can handle damn near everything you fucking throw at us. Shit that other people can't handle. Right. Shit that would make other other people want to kill themselves. We can handle that shit with ease, man. Being broke, yeah, being sleep. poor, losing everything. P fucking lost everything. P lost, and when I say everything, he he can speak for himself, but he lost everything. He still. I often say I lost everything but my life, but then I say, well, shit, I did lose my life because I'm nowhere. I'm not the same person I was yeah, then. But guess what? Hey, you still here? You ain't jump out no fucking windows. Yep. And like that that yep. shit that happened to you would have either birthed a, a fucking postal, a postal employee as far as shooting up the place or somebody who would have jumped out of a fucking window somewhere. You look at like all these people that lost shit in the stock market. You remember back uh, even during the recession, you remember how many suicides there were? And we're sitting there looking at them yeah. like, damn. I had coworkers who were set to retire. Well, I had coworkers who were set to retire in 2007, 2008. Yeah. And they were in deferred comp and they ended up losing Two three hundred thousand yeah. dollars because their retirement was set up. They had it for that for when there were big recession. Man, hit. and guess what? You know what black people did during that recession? Damn, shit's kind of fucked up out here right now, yo. <laughs> <laughs> yo, a status came up on my Facebook memories from a while back that said recession. Shit, we've been in a recession for four hundred <laughs> years. Yeah, exactly, man. No food. Hell, we can deal with that. We we've dealt with that, man. <laughs> no transportation. Yeah, we can deal with that. We dealt with that. Like, there's nothing you can fucking throw at us that we haven't. And like we were just talking about slavery. We were fucking slaves. We worked for free while we got beat. Now, not us, but our our ancestors worked for free while we got beat, fucking raped. And like they they would cut off our, our body parts. They would hang you from a tree and cut your dick off. And here we still here. We are still here as black people, man. So there's nothing you can throw at us. We can handle extreme amounts of stress, extreme amounts of pressure. But of course, like P says, ultimately it kills you, but we can handle it a lot better. So P, I'm going to say I do disagree with us being born equal because guess what? In in that sense, we can handle more than white people, man. I, I, I think that's fair to say. Well, see, that comes from experience, though. That's once again, that, that's not acknowledging the experience of life, because if you take you know, and I'm not going to um, d- discredit the hundreds of thousands of poor white people in this country that, you know, that don't understand white privilege because they live in, quote, flyover country and don't know any black people. And all they know is I live in a goddamn trailer park and I'm on food stamps and I don't have shit. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, it's it's still the struggle. So it, 
you know, the thing is, I just, I wholly reject the argument. I mean, not the argument, the theory that we have a, a defective gene because of slavery being left on us. I mean, like I said, environmental factors and our way of life. I mean, that's like, you know, if you box, I'm going to go box, but I'm never sparred. I'm going to go box, but I've never trained. So to sit there, and, you know what I'm saying? So I'm going to go in the ring and I never train. I'm going to get my ass whooped. But if I train every day and I'm polished and I've been stressed because, you know, training is putting your body through stress so you can perform at a higher level, then I'm going to be successful. Okay. So if you look at our conditions that we face every single day, it's like we're in training every single we're in training every day for the great catastrophe. When I see people that think they're so successful who are young, 23, 24, bragging on social media, I got this, I got that. I always laugh and say, how are you going to handle when you have your first life altering catastrophe? Yep. And most of us black people, whether we know it or not, society is always, we are always in rigorous training to weather that catastrophe. To wrap up here and close, um, we started off at the top of the show talking about how different ethnicities treated us very very poorly especially back home in the dc area it was a lot of the middle easterns the africans and the indians treated treated american black people poorly it still as an adult leaves a bad taste in my mouth and you know it's something that i probably need to sit with more but i moved all the way down to new orleans like the bottom of the map and down here, no, there's not a lot of Middle Eastern people, but there are a lot of Asian. There's a lot of Asians down here, a lot of Vietnamese, a lot of Filipinos down here. Now, they're the ones that buy the corner stores and the hair, the hair supply stores, beauty. And, you know, they they treat us really poorly, really poorly also. So it's like every other culture treats us bad. That's where we started with the started at the top of the show. That causes a level of anxiety in damn near every black person. And again, I I said it's not necessarily an anxiety disorder, but there is a level of anxiety just being black and there's no way around it. Then we have the subsets of rules that we have to follow as black men, black women in society. Then we have subsets of those subsets that we have to follow within our own culture as far as what we're what we're allowed to watch on TV, what we're allowed to listen to musically, what we're allowed to like, what uh, activities we're allowed to partake in, because God forbid, like P and I, you guys play golf or, you know, before Tiger Woods, like niggas, niggas ain't care about golf, man. Before Serena Williams and Venus, niggas ain't care about tennis. I'm sure some did, but it wasn't a big thing, man. That That's that's white people sport. That's white people sport. So we just have. Yeah, there's a time when basketball was a white yeah. sport, and we didn't that play that either. That was boring as fuck when it was. <laughs> Man, imagine the first nigga, I don't even know who he was, but the first nigga that did a crossover. <laughs> like, oh shit, that nigga knows magic. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, yeah, that that's basically it. I mean, I guess that summarizes the whole episode is, as black people, we have we inherently have a level of anxiety that other cultures and other races don't have. And there's not fucking much we can do about it other than endure it, endure it. And as P said, we've been in training our whole lives. So when shit hits the fan and everything goes to shit, guess what? We're going to be all right. Cause we've been all right for 400 years, even through slavery, man. So I, I, that's my closing thought for whatever it's worth, man. Any closing thoughts, P? 
When I lost everything, I learned not to take myself so seriously. When I was concerned with money, I was concerned about the next step in my career. When I lost it all, I was surprisingly felt lighter. Um, I, that's how I've been. That's how I tend to cope now. I don't take myself so seriously. You know, things make me angry still. But at the same time, I just look at it like, oh, well, I done been through worse. So whatever needs to be done will be done. Whatever needs to be taken care of will be taken care of. And that's how I kind of get away from even being upset with myself if I let something go. Like if the Walmart guy with the receipt or someone, you know, gets an attitude with me and I just kind of let it go. I would back in the day be like, I feel like a bitch, felt like I lost. Now I just like, whatever, you got it. And I don't and I just let it go because, it's, you know, ultimately it's not worth it. Stress kills, police kill. And I'm not about to let somebody else control my emotions and how I react. That, that wraps up this episode of A Few Screws Loose, the podcast. And again, we talked about some uh, a bunch of shit, man. Duff. Yo, seriously, if you like the show, please, please, please rate us, subscribe, and leave a review. We're kind of lacking in that department as far as the reviews. We don't really ask for them um, too much. But, you know, if you could take the time out and write a review, five stars, preferably, we'd really appreciate it because it would help with our visibility and, uh, you know, getting other people to listen to us. So, you know, if you enjoy the show, please give us give us that review, you know, on Apple Podcasts, uh, preferably. And once again, I'm one of your hosts, Dan. You can find me on Twitter and IG at I am Dan on drugs. And also follow the show on both Twitter and IG at Screws Loose Pod, as well as on YouTube for video clips and bonus content. And I am P from Charlotte. Find me on Instagram at P from Charlotte. All one word, P from Charlotte. Until next time, people. Peace. Peace.